Praise God. Amen. How many are excited to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Yeah. Amen. Praise God. Well, listen, uh, we're going to continue with our sermon series. How many have been enjoying our sermon series this month? Amen. It's, uh, if you haven't been here, um, we're going to be wrapping it up this month, uh, or today, actually, the, the, the monthly sermon, uh, sermon series. And uh, the monthly sermon series is What on Earth is Happening? What on Earth is Happening? And we've all been hearing different kinds of, of things about wars and rumors of wars and a whole lot of things happening that might get us a little nervous, right? How many have been a little nervous about the stuff that's been happening in the world? If you haven't been hearing what's happening, then um, you, you probably don't have social media, you probably don't have a TV, you probably don't talk to nobody, because everybody knows about the things that are happening. And uh, we're going to go ahead and finish it up today. Today I'm going to be talking about, in a world of persecution and betrayal, remain faithful. In a world of persecution and betrayal, remain faithful. We're going to go to Matthew chapter 24. and We've been in this text the whole time that we've been doing this series. And we're just going to read it again because I think it's so good to keep on reading what Jesus said about what's going to happen in the end times. Actually, what's happening even today. So verse 3 says, later Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives. And his disciples came to him privately and said, tell us what, when will all this happen? What sign will signal your return and the end of the world? How many want to know that? Come on. Verse 4 says, Jesus told them, don't let anyone mislead you. Another way is deceive you. That's another word. Uh, For many will come in my name claiming, claiming I am the Messiah. They will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and threats of wars, but don't panic. Everybody say, don't panic. And it says, yes, these things must take place, but the end won't follow immediately. Nation will go to war against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world. But all this is only the first of birth pains with more to come. All the moms know about this, Right? Birth pains, another way to say this, is contractions. These are the first of contractions. Amen? And some of you might, we talked about this last week, and some of you might be saying, well, what, what's giving birth? Like, oh, how, come are, how come these things are called contractions, birth pains? Well, the second coming of Jesus. That's the baby that's coming. The baby that's coming is Jesus. Amen? And so in verse 9 says, then you will be arrested and persecuted and killed and you will be hated all over the world because you are my followers. Verse 10 says, and many will turn away from me and betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. And sin will be rampant everywhere. Now you think sin is rampant now. It's just going to continue to increase and increase. And it says, watch this. The love of many will grow cold. You think people are are not very loving now. It's just going to get worse and worse. Verse 13, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. And the good news about the kingdom uh, and the good news of the kingdom will be preached throughout the world 
so that all nations will hear it, and then the end will come. And then the end will come. Father, I thank you for your word. And I pray, Father God, that as we wrap up this series, God, that you would speak so clearly. Think through me. Speak through me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you could raise up my mic just a tiny bit. Some of you would be saying, don't do it. (laughs) Because I get loud. Anyways, recap on some of the sermons that we've been talking about. If you haven't been here, we talked about the world will be more deceptive. How many were here for that or heard the message? Amen. And so we are seeing that happen even today. That the world is more deceptive, right? We are hearing things, a, a phrase, a very famous phrase, right? We hear the phrase called fake news. How many ever heard that phrase? Fake news. Some of us, we even say it. Yo, that's fake news. That ain't true, right? And as we get closer and closer to the coming of Jesus, there is going to be even more fake news. Not only that, not only in the world, but there's going to be a lot of false things that are happening even in the church. Even in the church. This is why it's so important to understand the very word of God. That's why it's so important to be here in the house of God. That's why it's so important to have daily devotions in the word of God as a part of your prayer life. Why? Because if we don't know the Word of God, we are going to be vulnerable to deception. We're going to be vulnerable to deception. Because this thing is going to increase. And this thing is not only going to be in the world. Deception, the spirit of deception is going to be in the house of God as well. And so what is our response to that? We have to live honest. We have to live honest. We have to live according to the word of God. The other thing that we talked about is in a world that has wars and disasters, we must be calm. Everybody say calm. Everybody say chill. Because so many times we see these wars and these rumors of wars and we hear a bunch of conspiracy theories in YouTube. And the the whole point, the whole point of this happening is to take away your peace. The whole point of all these things happening uh, and a lot of people doing stuff on video for clickbait is so that they could trigger fear inside of you so that you could become anxious, so that you could become, become panic, right? And so that you could lose your peace. Some of us know exactly what we're talking about, what I'm talking about, right? We've seen certain things on the news. We've heard certain things tragedies and things that are happening all around the world and all of a sudden you feel feel your peace slipping away and Jesus says hey don't panic in the text he says literally don't panic don't become afraid don't become anxious this is why I am preparing you this is why I am letting you know everything that is going to happen so that you understand to be in peace that everything is under my control that everything is already planned out in my schedule everything that is happening right now Jesus already said it would happen Jesus already said it would happen So we've been talking about these two things. Today we're going to be finishing up. And the first thing that we're going to be talking about today is persecution. Everybody say persecution. Persecution. In verse 9 it says, then you will be arrested. 
Some of us, we're okay with that because we've already been arrested. Come on, somebody. It's, it's, gonna be sec- it's like a second home for some of us. Then you will be arrested. And then it says, then you will be persecuted. And watch this. This is a whole other level. Then you will even be killed. You will be hated all over the world because you are my followers. Now, some of us would be like, man, that, that's some scary stuff. That's scary. And some of you might be saying, thank God that's not happening right now. And the reason why we think that is because we don't see this happening here. We don't see it happening in the United States. Yeah, Christians do get persecuted with certain things like on social media. Like if you say something about Jesus and Facebook and YouTube don't like it, they'll like stop all your stuff from coming out and you can't use Facebook no more. And we think that's persecution and that's a form of persecution. But man, there's a whole other level of persecution. Let me tell you this, I don't know about you, but when you start mentioning Jesus around certain people, maybe at your job, at a school, at a store, all of a sudden, it it becomes awkward, doesn't it? Because the name of Jesus makes people feel like they have to make a decision, right? The name of Jesus has power. The name of Jesus, it has power to save, power to heal, and power to save people's lives. And when people are not ready to surrender their lives to Jesus, they become nervous and anxious. How many know what I'm talking about? Persecution right now is currently happening. This is a reporter, a journalist, very famous. His name is John L. Allen Jr. He says this, Christians today, today, right now, undisputably are the most persecuted religious body on the planet. On the planet. And too often the new martyrs suffer in silence. What does that mean? That means the people that are dying for Jesus, nobody knows. The people that are dying because they love Jesus and they're on a mission and they don't care if they lose their life. That doesn't get on CNN. That doesn't get on Fox News. That doesn't get where everybody is able to see it. They die in silence. This is happening right now in this world. That's why we're so blessed. Even though America is getting crazy, we are a blessed nation to be able to go and come inside of a YMCA and put up some speakers and a piano, right, and worship Jesus freely. There are some countries, if this happened, we would actually be arrested, persecuted, and killed today. Today, right now. Somebody say amen. Amen. We're blessed. Watch this. He says, each year, the Christian charity organization, Open Doors International, this is an organization, says this. They send out a list of the most unsafest place that Christians can live. The most unsafest place. In 2022, Afghanistan, North Korea, Somalia, Libya, and Yemen topped the list. This is the most unsafe places to be a Christian. Why? Because you will be killed for your faith today in 2022. Watch this. Furthermore, they estimate that 360 million Christians in the world today experience extreme persecution. Extreme persecution because of their faith. What what is that? 
that is one out of every seven believers worldwide. This is your brother and sister in Christ. One out of every seven believers are extremely persecuted. Today, we're complaining about there's not a whole choir up here. And there's not, you know, fancy stuff and lights and LED screens and all that stuff. But over there, they don't care about none of that stuff. All they care is having just the book of the Bible, being able to freely hear about the word of God preached to them. That's all that matters to them. They don't care about lights. They don't care about bands. They don't care about none of that stuff. All they care is about Jesus. And they're willing to die for it. That's happening today. That's happening right now. Right? Why so much persecution, you might be asking. Why is there going to be so much persecution for for Christians? Well, it says it in the text. It says that in verse 9, it says that the world will hate you because you are my followers. Everybody say followers. followers. If you look that up in the original language, the New Testament was originally written in Greek. And the Old Testament was originally written in Hebrew. And certain things don't translate correctly in the English language. Follower in Greek in the New Testament means on account of my name. On account of my name, people are going to hate you and people are going to persecute you and people are going to cause trouble upon you. Not because you're a bad person. No, because you carry my name. That's what Jesus says. So many times we have before I got saved, I had so many friends. When I got saved and I got serious about my relationship with God, all of a sudden, all these friends left. You text them and they don't text back. You call them and they don't call back. You used to be invited to all the parties. No more. And Jesus is saying, that's just a light persecution. And the reason why these things happen, my friend, is an account of his name. Because now you are faithful to Jesus. Now you are trying to live for Jesus. And people are not going to like it. They're just not going to like it. But I believe there is a church in this place that they say, man, I don't care who invites me to their party. I don't care what kind of friend I have to lose. I am going with Jesus all the way. And there is no turning back. There's no turning back. There's no turning back. He says, on account of my name. I love what Jesus says. In the Gospels, in John chapter 15, verse 8, he says, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. Anything that we're happening, I love this about Jesus. He never asks us to do something that he was not willing to do himself or he didn't go through himself. Jesus was persecuted. Jesus was killed because of who he was. Willingly. The Bible says that Jesus Although it looked like he was murdered by the Roman Empire, he was not killed. The Bible says that he willingly, for the sake of his calling, for the sake of being obedient to the Father, he willingly laid down his life. He laid down his life. 
Jesus says, hey, listen, if you're not willing to pick up your cross and follow me and basically do exactly as I have done, you are not worthy to be my disciple. This is Jesus. I know it could be a little hard. I know it would be a lot more easier for me to preach a nicer sermon. But this is what God is preparing us for here. Where all the wars and rumors of wars, like I mentioned before, this is not a time to be lukewarm. This is not a time for you to be in the middle. I still want to do things in the world and I still want to serve Jesus. This is not the time. I mean, if you can't see the signs all over the world, then my friend, you are spiritually blind and you cannot see. And perhaps that's where the enemy wants you to be so that you do not see, so that you can live in the middle and you do not live hot or cold. This is not the time. Everybody say, this is not the time. So what is our response when we're persecuted? I love the story of Paul and Silas. How many of you know the story about Paul and Silas? In Acts chapter 16, verse 22, let me read it for you. It says, a mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas, and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. And they were severely, it wasn't a little, it wasn't a little belt. No, they were severely beaten, and they were thrown into prison. The jailer, jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape. So the jailer put them into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in the stocks. Around midnight, everybody say midnight. Paul and Silas, what were they doing? Were they complaining? Were they saying, God, why did you do this to me? I'm preaching your word. God, why aren't you coming through for me? Look what was happening to me. No, that's not what they did. It says, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. Let me, let me just give you a little picture of how jail was back then. It wasn't nowhere near what jail is today. It was freezing cold. There was a bunch of rodents happening. There was a lot uh, running around inside of, inside of the jails. It was not a fun place to be. It was actually a horrible place to be. And in this situation at midnight, they could have been sleeping. They could have been complaining. They could have been angry at God. But in the midst of persecution, they were praying and worshiping Jesus in the middle of it. Can you imagine if there was a church that prayed and worshipped Jesus in the middle of persecution? Can you imagine what would happen? They would be unstoppable, wouldn't they be? There will, there will be nothing that will come against that church. I love Paul and Silas because they didn't care. Be like, take everything from me. Strip me, beat me. Leave me out outside of the city dead. That's what happened to Paul to the point that they beat Paul so bad that his followers, his disciples thought that he was dead. And then he woke up, right? Because obviously he passed out when they beat him. And instead of Paul running away from the city that beat him and persecuted him, he went right back into the city and began to preach the gospel again. That's the kind of man that I want to be. Amen. That's the kind of woman you ought to be. 
That's the kind of believer we ought to be. That it doesn't matter what's happening in this world. It doesn't matter if Facebook tries to like uh, demonetize you and stop your account. It doesn't matter how much persecution and how many people leave you. At the end of the day, my friend, if you have Jesus, you have everything you need. You have everything you need. Now, this is not a popular message, right? It's not, right? It makes you feel uncomfortable. It really checks your emotions. It checks your commitment. And perhaps that's why Jesus put it inside of the Bible because he knew these things would be happening. And he knew that sooner or later you're going to have to come across this text. And it's almost like Jesus is saying, hey, listen, as it gets closer and closer for me to return, these are the things that are going to happen. And he's basically saying, are you for me? Are you with me? Are you against me? He is drawing a line in the sand and he's saying, hey, be my disciple or not. Amen. Amen. So our response is, we have to be like Paul and Silas and live a lifestyle of worship. Because it's easy to come one day out of the week and lift up your hands and worship. It's a lot harder to wake up tomorrow morning and do it again. And then wake up on Tuesday when all hell is breaking loose in your job and do it again. And wake up on Wednesday when you don't physically feel good and do it again. This is a lifestyle. This is something we do. This is something we are. Can somebody say amen? Amen. So Jesus says, hey, persecution is going to happen. Number two, betrayal is going to happen. I don't know about anything worse than betrayal. Let me tell you something. When, when, When Jesus says betrayal, it's because the person that betrayed you, you didn't expect them to betray you. That's betrayal. Now, if I expect somebody to betray me, that's not betrayal. I'm expecting you to do that. I emotionally prepare myself. I mentally prepare myself. How many know what I'm talking about? I pray about it even more. I'm expecting you to betray me. I know you're saying you're not going to, but I'm expecting you. When it becomes betrayal is when the person betrays you and you didn't expect it. Then that's betrayal. And when Jesus is saying, hey, uh, you're going to be betrayed, if you look at it in context and in the original language, he's basically saying there are going to be Christians that look faithful, sound faithful, and they are going to be the very ones that are going to hand you over to the enemy and say, I'm not a Christian, I'm not a Christ follower, but he is, she is. People from the very body of Christ. Your family members, your friends, the ones closest to you. He says, man, these are the people who are going to betray you. Aren't you glad that he kind of tells you? I'm so grateful that Jesus says, hey, listen, so that you're not shocked. So that you don't leave me. So that you don't stumble and think this is me. I'm preparing you. This is what's going to happen. So guard your heart. Above all things, guard your heart. Amen? Amen. Why why, why does he say that? Why does he say Christians are going to betray Christians? And people that, you know, really, I don't think it's Christians. People that proclaim themselves to be Christians, but they really don't walk the walk. Because, I mean, if you're a real Christian, you're not going to betray me, right? You're going to fight with me. You're not going to betray me. You're going to pray with me. You're going to worship with me. If we get locked up somewhere... 
You're not going to be like, hey, he's the Christian. I'm not. No, no. You're going to be like, we're both Christians and we're going to stick this out to the end. That's what Paul and Silas did. Paul and Silas. Silas didn't say, oh, Paul's a missionary. He's the one planning all these churches. He's the one writing all these biblical books. Take him. Don't take me. No, Silas stood right next to Paul and was persecuted just like him. That's a true believer. That's a true friend. Amen. That's crazy. Second Timothy chapter 4 verse 10 says this. Paul experienced this. And this is something I think it gives us a picture. It gives us a picture of what might happen to us. Look at verse 10. It says, Second Timothy chapter 4 verse 10. It says, Demas has deserted me. This is Paul talking to Timothy, his disciple. Demas has deserted me because he loves what? The things of this life. And has gone to Thessalonica, Crescent, has gone to Galatia, Titus, has gone to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Luke was a, a physician. Well, Luke was actually Paul's physician. He traveled with him. He says, bring Mark with you when you come, for he will be helpful to me in the ministry. And drop down to verse 13. When you come, be sure to bring the coat I left. Also bring my books, especially my papers, because he wanted to continue to write. Look at verse 14. It says, Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm, but the Lord will judge him for what he has done. Be careful of him, for he fought against everything we said. Obviously, Alexander the coppersmith came to church. Obviously, Alexander the coppersmith got close to the apostle Paul. Obviously, he got so close to the Apostle Paul that he built a relationship with him. And people knew who Alexander was because they knew who the Apostle Paul was. And the whole thing was about Alexander was he was preaching a different gospel. He was preaching false doctrine. And the Apostle Paul had to correct him and rebuke him all the way to the point of kicking him out of the church. Why? Because he was deceiving people in the church. And so here is Alexander being obviously upset that Paul did that. And he, put, he made uh, uh, Paul be persecuted because of it. This happens. This happens in the word of God. And it's going to happen to us. Now there's this text here where it says to turn away. There's going to be people that turn away. Everybody say turn away. Turn away. And that really means offense. Everybody say offense. And if you look at the word offense, that means scandalize. There's going to be people that are not going to be living right, and there's going to be a bunch of scandals within the house of God. We see that happening, right? And why would that happen? Why would God allow that to happen? It's very simple, because he's trying to reveal who these people really are. We've seen very famous Christians and pastors and evangelists, scandals. And you might be saying, well, why, why, why would God allow that? Because he wants to separate the sheep from the goats. He wants to show us, hey, hey, listen, he might have been living right and she might have been living right. But somewhere down the line, something got corrupted inside of his heart. Because you can't carry an anointing upon your life. And see lives change through your life without having a right relationship with Jesus. He will not give it an anointing to somebody 
without doing that. What happens is at one point, this person lived right. He was faithful to God. He was living pure. He was doing everything that he needed to do according to his own strength and God's anointing and God's spirit. And then eventually something got corrupted inside of his life. Can somebody say amen? amen? That's why I always tell people, hey, listen, I know the person is gifted, but give them some time. Let's see their character. Because at the end of the day, my friend, the enemy, the devil himself, is going to do miracles in the end times. The enemy is able to prophesy. The enemy is able to heal people. The enemy is able to do that. You know what's going to be the number one indicator is the fruit. Everybody say fruit. He says, hey, listen, you can judge somebody by the fruit of their life, not the miracles. You can judge somebody by the fruit of their life, not how many people are in their church. You can judge people on how the fruit is, who is getting closer to Jesus as a result of that person's ministry. Is it about them? Are they getting the attention? Is it about their anointing and how great they are? Or is it about Jesus and how great he is? You know them by the fruit. Character is so important. And what happens is when we begin to follow people because of gifting, everybody say gifting. gifting. It's very easy to follow somebody with gifting. And then what, what, what begins to happen is they begin to teach what the Bible says, a doctrine or a teaching of demons. It's a false doctrine. The reason why it's called a teaching or a doctrine is because it's going to sound like the Bible. It's going to sound like Jesus said it. It's just like poison. And I've said this plenty of times. Poison is 99% good. It's that 1% that kills the rat. It's that 1% of poison that poisons the, the cat or whatever the poison is for. That's false doctrine, my friend. False doctrine, 99% of it is going to sound great. It's going to sound biblical. Look what the enemy did to Jesus. He gave him scripture while he was fasting 40 days and 40 nights. It's just that 1% that he took out of context. And that is what, God, what, what the enemy is going to use to deceive the Bible, even the elect, even the called. It's going to sound so great, but the only way that we are not going to be deceived, my friend is if you know the Word of God. <laughs> if you don't know the Word of God, my friend, you are going to listen to all types of doctrine and you're going to see somebody's popularity and packed out church and all how many followers they have on YouTube and you're going to be like, well, he must be of God. Look at all the people that are following him. No, my friend, look at the fruits. Look at what that person is saying. Is it the Word of God? Can somebody say Amen. amen. There is a current megachurch pastor right now that is saying that same-sex relationships are okay. God is okay with it. There is a megachurch with a mega influence over the church right now. Right now. That's a doctrine of demons. It's not saying that we don't love people that love the same sex. No, we love them and Jesus loves them and Jesus wants to touch them. But that's not God's design. Can somebody say amen? amen? So what's our response? What's our response to this? Our response is remain faithful. Everybody say remain, remain 
faithful. Remain faithful to the word of God. Remain faithful to your relationship with Jesus. Remain faithful to the house of God. Remain faithful. Amen. You got to remain faithful to the things that are like absolutes. There's certain things that are absolutes. Giving your life to Jesus is an absolute. The Bible is the word of God. That's an absolute. That's not debatable. Right? Jesus is God. That's an absolute. That's not debatable. Coming to the house of God is part of your walk with Jesus. That is an absolute. That's not debatable. I remember many years ago, I think it was a student with a master's commission. Um, master's commission was a discipleship school that my wife and I ran for or three or four years. And I remember there was a student, I believe it was a student where this person came up to me and she began to say, hey, I took a break from prayer. I didn't want to pray every day because I didn't want to be religious. That's like saying, hey, me telling my wife, hey, I'm going to take a break from you. Um, I don't want to talk to you for like a whole week because I don't want this to be religious. What do you think she's going to think? Like, who are you talking to then? <laughs> who, I know you're talking to somebody. If you're not talking to me, you're talking to somebody. Yeah. Right? Why don't you want to talk to me? Why don't you want to spend time with me? I'm your wife. I would say the same thing. Can you imagine what Jesus says? Oh, I'm not going to pray and I'm not going to do this because, you know, I don't want to be religious. My friend, be religious. Do it on a consistent basis. Why? Because Jesus commands it. When Jesus tells you, you are not to stop praying. You are not to stop fasting. You are not to get away from my word. You are not to get, a, or get away from the church. My friend, he's basically saying, do this always on a consistent basis. When you feel like it, when you don't feel like it, do it always. It's never going to be religious because he's saying, be religious about it. Jesus never missed any festivals. Jesus never missed a time of prayer. Was he religious? No. He had a relationship. And a relationship demands a habitual relationship with God in every area that he commands. Right? I started laughing when she told me that. Like, yo, like seriously? You think you're being religious because you're not talking to God? That sounds like something the devil will tell you. The devil will come as an angel of light and make something sound so biblical that it's so demonic. It is a doctrine of demons. It is a teaching that the enemy is saying. Amen? And it's so, the reason why I say that, because it's so easy. Doesn't that sound right? Oh, I don't want to do this because I don't want to be religious about it. Who cares? It, like, is Jesus okay with it? If he's okay with it, who cares? So how do we respond? We remain faithful. I love what Revelations chapter 2 verse 10 says. It says, do not fear what you're about to suffer. It's almost like he's writing this to us. It says, do not fear what you're about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested. Everybody say tested. Tested. What is it? What, what, what is the test? The test is, are you a real faithful follower of Jesus? That's the test. Or are you going to crumble during the test? Am I going to crumble during the test? That's the test. 
He literally tells you the reason why persecution is going to happen, the reason why some of you are going to be betrayed, is because it's a test. It's a test. And then he says, for 10 days you will have tribulation. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. Let's put on some worship music. The crown of life. I love that he says, I'm going to give you this. I'm going to give you, give you this as a reward. Do you really think that God's going to allow you to give up so much and give up your life and be betrayed and be persecuted without an award, a reward for it? He says, I'm going to give you a crown of life. I'm going to give you, there's, there's nothing that you're going to do that I can't. That I'm not going to repay you. The second thing that we have to understand during this season of betrayal is that you got to choose your friends wisely. You got to choose your friends wisely. I'm not saying don't talk to people that are unsaved or family members that are not unsaved, but you don't make covenant with people like that. What do I mean covenant? That means you don't you don't really do you you associate with people like that, but you don't. You don't do life with people like that. Because at the end of the day, man, the lukewarm Christians are, are going to be the ones that be like, hey, I, I ain't trying to go to jail. I ain't trying to be talked about. I'm not trying to be the unpopular person in, 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 in my job or in my neighborhood. I'm not trying to be that. You are, though. They are like that. That's why you got to choose your friends wisely. Look what Proverbs chapter 12, verse 26. I love what it says here. It says, the righteous choose their friends carefully. The righteous. You know who don't choose their, their friends carefully? Unrighteous people. They don't care. Don't let the enemy talk you in to get into a bad relationship. And say, oh, that's, that's the love of Christ. It is. You can have... You could associate with people that don't know Jesus, absolutely. You can go to a park and associate with them. Don't make covenant with them. Because many people have drifted away because of one relationship. Just one. Look what the Apostle Paul said about Alexander the coppersmith. He said, he did me much harm. Much harm. Thank God the Apostle Paul was a faithful follower of Jesus did it affect him absolutely because he would never he wouldn't have wrote about it it probably he did it much harm mentally spiritually physically but he remained faithful the righteous choose their friends carefully not only friends relationships this is not a season to try to get an unsaved woman to be your wife now let her come saved. Or man. This is not an opportunity for you to be Jesus. You are nobody's savior. I am nobody's savior. Some of us, we think, man, if I love her enough, and if I show her the love of Jesus, then she'll give her life to Jesus, and we'll have a, a beautiful marriage. Has that happened? Sure. But it hasn't happened very often where it was successful. That's why Paul says, hey, listen, do not... Do not get in a relationship with an unbeliever. What does darkness have to do with light? There's a reason why he says that. Because it does not work. It doesn't work. 
especially if you are all in for Jesus and they're like 20% in for Jesus. This is not your season to do this right now. This is your season to be like, hey, I'm all in. And you might be saying, man, does that mean I have to live perfect? No. God does not require perfection. He requires faithfulness. Faithful people, they mess up. Faithful people, they fall and they get right back up. The Bible says it is the righteous person that falls seven times. And seven times they get right back up. My friend, God's calling us to be faithful, not perfect. Are you going to mess up? Yes. Are you going to think sinful thoughts and do sinful things? Yes. When you do, my friend, and when I do, I have to prostrate myself and my heart before God and ask for forgiveness and ask him, God, make me clean again. It's not, he's not going to be like angry. Oh, I knew you would mess up. Of course he knew. He's not angry. What he wants is for you to come to him. I always say this because I think it's necessary. Condemnation takes you away from God. Conviction brings you towards God. Anytime you feel like bad about your sin, you ought to feel bad for your sin. You ought to feel bad for doing something that it is against God. But anytime you feel like, man, God don't love me, and I'm not, I'm not going to continue to pray, and I'm not going to continue to come to the house of God because God is angry, that is the devil. That is condemnation. That is not God. God will always say, I know you messed up and it was wrong, but come to me so I can help you. Come to me so that I can give you the power to overcome this. Don't run away from me. Come to me. That's the difference. Because many times condemnation and conviction feel the same. They just go in different directions. Let's all stand. So I know this is a very sobering series. I understand that. I understand this can make us feel uncomfortable. It's not, that, it's not always easy for me to preach something like this. But this is the Word of God, right? I would rather come to the house of God and somebody tell me what the Word of God says than me try to tickle your ears and tell you, hey, but it's going to be all right. You can live however you want. You can smoke weed. You can be in any kind of relationship and all that stuff. And you do have the choice to do that. It's just not going to go well with you all the days of your life. Sooner or later, it's going to catch up. Sin always feels great. Come on, somebody. But, but, but the Bible says when it's full birth, when sin gives full birth, it brings forth death. And the reason it gives a picture of intimacy, it gives a picture of sexual intimacy, that it feels good, but when it gives birth, the reason why it does that, because sin is fun, it's pleasurable, but then it's going to give birth to death. Right? But the Bible says, man, if you stick with Jesus and remain faithful, he will give you a life and life that of abundance. Amen. If you're like saying, man, this was a sobering word, you're like, man, I, I want to be, I, I want to remain faithful. And I'm praying this with you guys. Because some of this stuff is very sobering. 
You just don't know what's going to come down the pipeline, right? You just don't know what they're going to do. You don't know what kind of agenda is coming. But man, God can help us remain faithful. Remain faithful. Every head bowed, every eye closed. That's you and you're saying, man, I want to rededicate my life to the Lord. Or, or the second person, if you want to be like, man, I'm faithful now and I want to continue to remain faithful no matter what. I want to be just like Paul in silence. I want you to lift up your hands. I want to pray for you this morning. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Father, we give you glory. We give you glory. So, Father, right now, I pray for every single person that has declared, I want to remain faithful to you, Jesus. I want to remain faithful to you. There's no turning back. There's no turning back. Right now, I pray for every single person that has a hardened heart towards your word and towards your spirit, God. We rebuke that hardened heart, God, and I pray that you would penetrate, God, the person's heart even now, Lord Jesus. And God, we rebuke every lie of the enemy, every lie of the enemy, Father God, this morning. I pray, God, that you would raise up people, Father God, that remain faithful in every single season of their life, Father God. I pray, God, when they want to give up, God, that you will give them the strength of endurance, God, to endure to the end, God. To endure to the end. In Jesus' mighty name, Father God. I pray for those that are being persecuted even now in the world. God, I thank you for their faithfulness. I thank you, God, for those that are suffering for your name's sake. What an honor it is to suffer for your name's sake. How great they will be, God, in your kingdom in heaven. God, I thank you, God, that you reward those that are nameless. Nobody even knows these people's names. And they suffer, but you know them, God. You know the amount of hair that is even on top of their hair. You know them. We thank you, God. We pray for strength for them, God. We pray for strength for us, God. I pray, Father God, that you would touch every single person in this place. Give us conviction, Father. Give us conviction. And when we begin to slip away, God, I pray... Holy Spirit, get us right back on track. Get us right back on track. Everybody, lift up your hands and just be going to talk to Jesus in your own way. Let's raise up the music just a little bit. Just talk to Jesus in your own way. Why do I tell you to raise up your hand? Because it's a sign of surrender. It's a sign of surrender. I surrender to you. I surrender to you, Jesus. I surrender my mind, my heart, my soul, my spirit, my body. I surrender all to you, Jesus. 
I surrender all to you, Jesus. I surrender all to you, Jesus. We give you glory, God. We give you glory. We give you glory, God. We give you glory. Hallelujah, 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 Jesus. Let our lives bless your name. Let our lives, God, be a fragrance of worship to your name. Hallelujah, Jesus. That we would be able to give up anything for your name. That we would give up anything for you, Jesus. Give us the strength to give up anything for you. Anything, God, anything, God. For you gave up everything for us, God. Give us the strength to give up anything for you. For your name's sake, God, we give you glory. In Jesus' name, we all said, amen, amen, amen. You may be seated this morning. Come on, give Jesus a praise. Welcome back to a whole new podcast here at U-Turn Orlando. We're so psyched to have you guys. For all those of you who want to have more information on our church, go ahead to www.myuturnorlando.com. We love you guys. Enjoy. Thank you all for listening. Be sure to stop in for a whole new podcast. We love you, familia.